we have uh, we have tried to uh, practice looking deeply into the nature of uh, the flower and of the garbage, and we know that. Uh, Flower and garbage, they are of uh, organic nature. And uh, flower can be transformed into garbage, and garbage can be transformed back into flower. And uh, we can see the nature of uh, interbeing between uh, flower and garbage. The nature of interbeing is there, deep in the flower, and also deep in the garbage. We, it would be uh, good if we learn to look at the all pairs of uh, opposite in such a way. Wherever there is a pair of uh, opposites, we should try. We should. Uh, learn how to look at them in the same way. Suppose uh, we talk about uh, going from New York to uh, Boston. New York is one end, is at one end, and Boston at the other end. New York is not Boston. Boston is not New York. But if we look deeply, we can see that Boston contains New York, and New York contains Boston. It is like uh, the right and the left that we talked about yesterday. If there is no right, there would be no left. The right is uh, the foundation to establish the left. And it is an illusion to remove the left in order to retain only the right. On our way from New York to Boston, every inch contains New York and Boston. Every inch. On the way from New York to Boston, we never left, we never leave New York. Even if we arrive in Boston, New York is still there. Because if you turn around, you see that Boston begins to be like uh, already uh, in New York. When we talk about uh, enlightenment or delusion, it's the same. One end, we think that is uh, delusion. The other end, we think uh, it is enlightenment. And we think that uh, enlightenment and delusion exclude each other. 
but uh, delusion is like uh, New York, and enlightenment is like Boston. Perfect enlightenment, perfect enlightenment is made only of non-perfect enlightenment. That is a sentence I wrote for the foreword to a book uh, written by Zen Master Shang Yang, who lives and teaches in New York City. And I also uh, offer the example of uh, New York and uh, Boston. I said that every inch of the road contains both New York and Boston. If you turn to this direction, it is New York. If you turn to this direction, it is Boston. That is why every inch of the road contains both uh, New York and Boston. Enlightenment and delusion are like that. It is there in every minute of our daily life. More than that, enlightenment is made of a substance called delusion. Peace and happiness are made of elements that are not peace and happiness. So the, the afflictions, the pain, the suffering in us play a very important part in bringing up our peace, our joy, our happiness. So running from one in order to seek for another is an attitude that is not correct. When the Buddha spoke about uh, the Four Noble Truths in his first Dhammata, he mentioned uh, Dukkha, ill-being, suffering, as the first uh, Noble Truth. We have to recognize that ill-being is there. We have uh, to embrace our ill-being. We have to uh, recognize it, to look deeply into it. Because when we do that, we begin to see the nature of our ill-being. And uh, when we are able to see the nature of our being, of, our, of the ill-being, and then we can see the way out of uh, ill-being. But if we run away from ill-being, We have no chance in order to look deeply and to discover the path that leads us out of uh, ill being. And that is why the first truth, the first noble truth, is called a holy truth. People may ask uh, the question as, uh, what is uh, so holy about uh, suffering? What is so holy about uh, ill being? It is holy. Because uh, thanks to it, that we can find out the way uh, to enlightenment and uh, emancipation. So suffering has a role to play. Suffering, ill-being has a role to play. And if we know 
that uh, happiness, well-being uh, must be found right in the heart of suffering. We will not uh, try to run away anymore. A, a meditation teacher uh, in Vietnam who lived in the uh, 13th century. He always urged his students to work uh, diligently in order to find the world of no birth and no death. And one of his uh, students asked, Teacher, where we can find the reality of no birth and no death? And he said, smiling, it is right there in the world of birth and death. We have learned that Alaya, Alaya Vishnana, the store consciousness, maintains all kinds of seeds within herself, positive seeds and negative seeds. There is uh, the seed of delusion in Alaya. There is also a seed of uh, enlightenment within Alaya. In Mahayana Buddhism, it is uh, mentioned that uh, the matrix, the womb of uh, the Tathagata, Tathagata, the Buddha, is there in Alaya Vishnana. So the Buddha is there in our Alaya in the form of a seed. And it is possible for us to touch the seed called Tathagata Gaba, the matrix of the Buddha within ourselves. The 50 verses, uh, the Vietnamese version is very easy to memorize. Because each verse has uh, 20 words, exactly 20 words. Each line has five words. And there are rhymes, that is why it's so easy to, to memorize. I hope that uh, you have the joy, uh, the time to, to do the same with the English version. And as uh, you begin to read uh, the first uh, few verses, you have found that uh, it's not difficult or simple. Mind is a field in which every kind of seed is sown. This mind field can also be called all the seeds. In Vietnamese, it is uh, like this. Mind is a field uh, and uh, in which every kind of seed is uh, maintained, sown and maintained. 
this mind field can also be called all the seeds, or the totality of the seeds. All the seeds, sarva bijaka. It is uh, interesting that uh, to notice that uh, the word mind field here is used. Our mind, our consciousness is like a field, the soil, the garden. And because uh, the soil, the garden always uh, maintain the seeds in it. All the seeds are still there intact. We need only the rain in order for the seeds uh, to be uh, to, uh, to have a chance to sprout and to grow. is like a gardener and the alaya consciousness, store consciousness is like the garden. Our mind as a gardener try to entrust into the earth some of the seeds and uh, we have faith in the earth. That is why we have uh, untrusted uh, to the earth some of the seeds we consider to be important. The gardener knows that it is uh, the soil that will bring about uh, flowers and fruits. And the gardener cannot uh, fabricate the flowers, the fruits. The gardener has to trust on the garden to do so. So Alaya Vishana has uh, the power to maintain, to nourish, and to bring forth what we expect uh, to have. In the practice of uh, meditation, we trust our Alaya Vishana, we trust our soul consciousness. We plant the seed in, our, in the soil of our consciousness and we continue to trust and we continue to water the seed and one day the seed will sprout a plant will come out and the flowers and the fruit will be brought to us As we have seen, um, one function of alaya is to store. It is possible that we use the word uh, holding. Alaya is holding everything together. The holder. It's like the earth. The earth is holding everything together. The earth has the capacity of transporting and holding everything together. Well, when we speak of consciousness, we tend to think in terms of uh, discerning, uh, perceiving, uh, discriminating, uh, 
uh, imagining, thinking, but uh, holding, preserving, maintaining is also functions of uh, consciousness. So holding, holding together, holding everything together, that is the function of uh, alaya. The second verse, there are infinite varieties of seeds, seeds of samsara, nirvana, delusion, and enlightenment, seeds of suffering and happiness, seeds of perceptions, names, and words. Samsara is the vicious uh, circle creating suffering, creating delusion. And we are caught in the wheel of samsara. We cannot get out of uh, samsara because we don't know how to handle uh, the seat of uh, delusion, the seat of suffering. And because we don't know how to handle and to transform them, we are going to transform, to transmit them to our children and uh, grandchildren, and they continue to suffer like us. But if we know how to look deeply into uh, the nature of samsara, uh, how to get insight, we'll be able to transform uh, samsara into nirvana. It is like a transforming the, the garbage back into flower. The seed of delusion is there in us. The seed of enlightenment is there in us. We don't need to get it from another person, including the Buddha, our teacher. We already have all kinds of seeds. It is only, uh, we only need to go back to ourselves and recognize the seed and touch it and water it every day. Seeds of suffering and happiness, seeds of perceptions, names and words. This is uh, the word uh, that can, uh, the word uh, describing the object of our perception. Tung, the mark, the appearance. When we look at this uh, marker, we perceive its, its, uh, its appearance the color, the form, and so on. This is uh, the mark, the object of our perceptions. And the word of uh, perception is like this, with uh, a lower part meaning mind or spirit, mind. This, this is uh, the mark, the appearance. 
and this is uh, the perception of the mark. So in Alaya, we have uh, a multitude of uh, ideas, of notions. And these are the objects of our perceptions. Suppose uh, yesterday I I saw a squirrel. I perceived the squirrel and the image of the squirrel has, uh, is a seed that has been planted in my consciousness. Uh, if uh, last year I visited uh, the city of uh, Moscow, so the city of Moscow was the object of my perception and it has been uh, absorbed and planted in my Alaya Vishnana store consciousness as a seed. And as I have uh, six uh, senses organs, eyes, nose, tongue, ears, body, and mind. There are six kinds of objects of perceptions. And they all, they, they are all there in my store consciousness as the marks of my perceptions. My alaya, my store consciousness, uh, maintain all these kind of uh, offsets. And wh whenever I need, I can bring them out in order to review, to re-examine them again. Seeds of perceptions of names and words in my store consciousness, their own way, there are also names and words. They are there in the form of seeds. And Alaya store consciousness maintains all of them. And uh, in order uh, for everything to be preserved, nothing is lost. Seeds that manifest as body and mind, as realms of beings, as stages and worlds, are all in our consciousness. That is why it is called store consciousness.
The word uh, Vishnapti is a very important word. It means uh, representation, information, manifestation. Before it is manifested, we may think that uh, it is not there. Only after it has manifested itself that we, feel we begin to perceive, to perceive it. Suppose when, when we look uh, at our hand, we, may, we, we do not see that our hand has the capacity to write or to draw. But the moment when I hold a brush and begin to write, to do calligraphy, you see uh, the capacity of doing calligraphy manifested. And you perceive it as uh, existing, just because it has had a chance to manifest. But if, uh, before I do that, before my hand begin to perform calligraphy, you cannot see it, and you might think that uh, it is not existing. When conditions are sufficient, things manifest themselves, and we term them as existing. When, thing, when conditions are not sufficient, things do not manifest themselves and we believed that they are not existing. That is a sentence uh, in the sutra to be given to the dying person. Vishnati means manifestation. And as it has manifested, we believe that they exist. Manifest, they manifest, it manifests itself as body. It manifested itself as mind. And we begin to believe that our body is, our mind is. But in fact, it is only manifestation. Vishnati means manifestation. And in Sanskrit, every time you have the prefix V, it is about discerning, discerning uh, uh, um, perceiving, discriminating. It is about uh, consciousness. So reality manifests itself 
as body, as mind, and as the environment. Reality manifests itself as a subject and object of consciousness. Reality manifests itself as the known, the knower, and the known, but the perceiver and the perceived. That is why in the word uh, Vishnapti, there is uh, the prefix V. Those of you, those of you who this is uh, this is pronounced in uh, Vietnamese as biểu and biệt. Biểu means to manifest. To manifest, and be it means to discern, to conceive, to discern. To discriminate between object and subject. And this is to manifest. And these two words are to translate, are to translate the word Vishnati. Seeds that manifest as body and mind, as realms of beings, as stages and worlds. Realms of beings, there are 18. Here I have uh, my eyes, my ear, my nose, my tongue, my body, and my mind. Here are the objects of my eyes, form, sound, uh, smell, uh, taste, touch, idea. And here is uh, eyes consciousness, ear consciousness, nose consciousness, tongue consciousness, body consciousness and mind consciousness. There are six sense organs. There are six uh, objects 
of uh, the sense organs, there are six kinds of consciousness that, uh, that uh, manifest when the organ and the object come together. And these are called the uh, 18 realms of beings. And everything can be found, can be touched in these 18 realms of beings. And the 18 realms of beings are manifestation from store consciousness. Seeds, seeds that manifest as stages. These are ten, 10 stages that a Bodhisattva would uh, go through in order to get full enlightenment. And also uh, three words. the world of form, the world of uh, desire, the world of form, and the world of non-form. This is in Vietnamese, Thap Dia. This is in Vietnamese, Tam Yoi, the three world. The realm of desire, where there is a lot of suffering. And if uh, we are able to practice looking deeply into the nature of, desi of the desire, we get uh, emancipated and we begin to dwell more firmly in the realm of forms. The realms of the gods. And uh, if we practice looking more deeply, we can uh, we can reduce our attachment to forms, and we dwell more in the realm of uh, no form. And these three realms are there in the here and the now, and you can touch uh, all of them in this present moment. So the 18 realms of beings, the 10 stages of a Bodhisattva and the three worlds, desire, form and non-forms, they are all manifestation of store consciousness.
Some seeds are innate. Some were handed down from our ancestors. Some were sown while we were still in the womb. Others were sown when we were children. There are seeds that are already there when we were born. They have been transmitted by our ancestors, our parents. They, there are seeds that are always there, like the seed of enlightenment, the seed of delusion, the seed of samsara, the seeds of nirvana, and so on. And when we were still in the womb of our mother, uh, seeds continued to be planted into us. When, when someone is uh, pregnant, She is aware that a new being is there within her. And she knows that everything she eats, everything she drinks, everything she does, everything she listens, she sees can have an effect on the little being that is there within her. And that is why she is very careful. She knows that she must be very careful. Because everything she sees, everything she experiences, will become a seed within the infant, the baby, to be born. And that is why a future mother has to practice, has to practice mindfulness so that uh, she can refrain from, from planting the negative seeds in her baby. Uh, she tried only to plant uh, the root seeds into her baby. Walking, standing, uh, she is mindful. And her husband has to do all his best in order to support uh, his wife. We know that uh, we don't begin to teach our, our child after his birth. He already has to begin taking care of our child and teach our child uh, the moment when we know that uh, our child has been conceived. So both uh, the future father and the future mother have to practice mindfulness. Mindfulness of walking, of sitting, and so on. And if uh, the future father and mother make each other suffer, the child within suffer also. They say that there are babies who are who are too soft. They call it in French, uh, 
les bébés mous, les enfants mous. Uh, left alone in the room, they can play, they can be very active. But as soon as they hear the door open and someone step in, they become very sad, they become very inactive. Because they are afraid, afraid of uh, adult. Because when they were in the womb, adult have made them suffer so much. That is why uh, they are not comfortable in the presence of adults, including father and mother. And that is why you have to be very careful. Uh, when you know that uh, a baby has been uh, conceived. And even uh, after the baby were born, is born, uh, we have to be very careful. The baby is not able to understand what we, our conversation yet. But if uh, the atmosphere in the house is heavy, the baby will feel it. The baby continues to suffer. And we know there are young boys and girls who, who, uh, who could not bear the heavy atmosphere in the family when the father uh, and the mother make each other suffer. Sometimes they have to uh, take refuge in the, in the toilet or in the bathroom in order not to witness to uh, the conflict between mother and father. In the old time, the house is built in a large garden. And every time things like that happen, the little boy or the little girl would uh, be able to run away into the garden and to take refuge. But now, as we live in a small apartments, there is no way for the children to escape. So many of them uh, just lock themselves in their room or in a bathroom for not to see and to hear the things that, uh, that wound, that create wounds within the heart. They don't have an aunt, an uncle to go to. And that is why uh, they continue to suffer when they grow up. And uh, father and mothers may be, uh, may be uh, may be too busy to pay attention to the fact that we are creating uh, seeds of unhappiness in our child. The fifth verse, whether from our family or friends, from our society or education, all seeds are by nature both individual and collective. Here we have another pair of uh, opposites, individual and collective. <coughs> and we should be, be able to transcend that, uh, that uh, idea of uh, collective and individual. In the manifestation, 
in the manifested world, we discern that uh, the things that are that are collective and the things that are individual. Um, the sun, the sun in the sky, is thought to be something collective, and we equally share the sun. And the backyard of my house is thought to be individual. I can, I am the only person who enjoys uh, uh, the backyard of my my house. So one is uh, individual and one is collective. But if you look more deeply, you see that uh, what we call collective is not entirely collective. Uh, the same sun, yes, but we live in different uh, countries. We live in different states. We got different uh, kind of weather. So there is uh, the individual in the collective, and there is the collective in the individual. The, constitu- the constitution, the law, uh, describe it as something collective. Everybody can enjoy the same constitution, the same uh, set of law. But there are people who know how to how to profit and there are those uh, who don't know how to profit and to and to protect themselves so the uh, the uh, collective and the individual they interact let us uh, talk about um, the bus, a bus where 50 people sit. The bus is something collective. And uh, to 50 person, uh, to 50 people. And I have uh, my own body, which is uh, individual. And as uh, I continue to look, but other people, I can see their body, their eyes, their face, their clothes, everything. So even if uh, that person wear a pair of glass that belong to him, but if I can already see that pair of glass, so the pair of glass although belonging to him, but also I can see, I can perceive it. And that person is not me, but because of the fact that I can see him, I can see her, uh, I share, I also share, uh, I can can also share uh, his presence. So what uh, that person thinks to be uh, an individual thing, 
uh, it has the collective uh, nature in it. And there are things I don't see, like uh, the, uh, the uh, nervous system of the driver, the physiological constitution of uh, the driver, his uh, optic nerves. I cannot see it. The driver's uh, optic nerves seem to be something strictly individual. But uh, since he is my driver, the quality of his uh, optic nerves can determine my safety or not. So the, the optic nerves of the driver has something to do with me. Therefore, it is not strictly individual. It is also collective in some extent. So when we look deeply at anything around me, or inside me, we can discover whether one thing is more collective and or more individual. Nothing is uh, absolutely collective and nothing is completely individual. Suppose there is a candle, and the candle, when lit, begins to offer zone of light. Here the light is brighter, here it is uh, less bright, and here is uh, more, uh, is lesser. And suppose here we have another candle, and we lit, when we light the candle, it will offer its light, like this. Of course, uh, this is uh, brighter than here, and brighter than here, and brighter than here. So the light emitted from this candle, it lights this candle, it shines on this candle, it allows people to see the candle well, but in a, it also shines on the other candle and help. Uh, the other candle to be seen more clearly. The other candle has already its own light. But now, when we analyze uh, this zone, for instance, we can see the light here is a collective light coming from this candle and coming from this candle. And if we compare this zone with this zone, there is already a difference. So the degree of uh, collectivity, individuality, is different in each per inch of space. The fact is that the collective uh, contains the individual, the individual contains the collective, and if we continue, look, there is no absolute collectivity, there is no absolute individuality. Our idea of collectivity and individuality are just ideas. Let us consider our brain, the brain inside of school. 
Is it uh, individual or collective? <coughs> the way you think, the way you judge, the way you evaluate, the way you like, the way you hate. Look deeply into the nature of your liking, of your hating, of your ideas, of your appreciation, of your uh, um, anger. And you see that uh, everything has the collective nature in it, and everything has also the individual nature in it. Look at the stock market, the rise and fall of the stock market. What is the elements that determine the rise and fall of these things? The collective and the individual. The collective is made of the individual and the individual is made of the collective. The Buddha said, this is because that is so simple and yet so deep. You may like to ask this question. Is my alaya different from yours? There is an alaya for everyone, collective alaya vishnana for everyone, or there is a separate alaya for each person. It's very natural that you ask that question. We have said that uh, there are pairs of opposites, and when you see a pair of opposites manifesting, try always to look in the nature of interbeing. This, the other, is another pair of opposites, self and non-self, you and I, father and son. We have had the opportunity to look into the nature of interbeing of father and son. If the son can go back to himself, touch himself deeply, looking deeply into himself, he will find that he is uh, the continuation of his father. And even if he has He has suffered so much because of his father. He has hated his father. He has uh, made a declaration that he doesn't want to have anything to do with his father. He will find out that he is the continuation of his father. He cannot take his father out of himself. How could he? 
He is the continuation of his father. He is his father. So the wish to the wish not to have anything to do with the father is just an illusion. Because you are the continuation of your father. You are your father. There is one thing in you to be handled. That kind of anger, that kind of hatred that is born from your ignorance, from your delusion. Father and son is a pair of opposites. And if we look deeply into the nature of both father and son, we discover the nature of interbeing. Self and non-self is another pair of opposites. We used to say that uh, the self is made of non-self elements. And that statement may be very helpful. So that uh, we could have a chance to look deeply, touching deeply the self, we will find that the self is made of nothing except uh, non-self elements. Another idea inside and outside. You might like to ask, where is our store consciousness? Is it inside the body or outside the body? We have seen that each cell in our body possesses all the characteristics all the elements, all the experiences, all the joy, all the, all the suffering of uh, many generations of ancestors. With one cell, only of our body, uh, we can uh, make a replica of ourselves. And it is uh, possible to say that Alaya Vishnana, our small consciousness, can be touched within each cell of our body, all the genes. The genes in us, we can describe them as uh, seeds, as visions, properties. They are the properties. that can be, can be recognized, can be touched. The talents, uh, the happiness, the suffering of all our ancestors can be recognized within each cell of our body. So it is possible for us to say that uh, storm consciousness can be found in each cell of our body. But we know also that uh, the inside is made of the outside. When we touch our body, we recognize the element of water, the element of uh, heat, 
the element of air, the element of uh, earth in, in us. And we know that these four elements, they are outside of our body. That if we continue to, to, to touch deeply, we realize that uh, the sun is my second heart. My first heart seems to be inside of my body, and I know if my first heart stops to function, I will die right away. But the sun is my second heart. It's shining on the sky. If the sun stops, I also die right away. So the sun, my heart, is the title of uh, a book of mine. I have a heart outside of my body. Maybe my body is larger than this. My body is the whole cosmos. The other night, I said a piece of bread. We eat is the body of the cosmos. And each of us is also the body of the cosmos. We are not limited to our body. And when we die, we don't die if we know that our body is not us. We are more than this body. So Alaya is... Uh, where is Alaya? We can say that uh, Alaya is in excel of our body. And we can say also that Alaya is outside of our body. The idea of outside and inside is also a pair of opposite to be transcended. We are sitting here in a lotus position or half lotus position. We can we, we are confident that the direction this direction is the direction of uh, the above and this is the direction of the below. But uh, other people who practice uh, sitting meditation on the other side of the planet, they could not agree. They couldn't say that this is the above, this is the below. So uh, the ideas of below and above cannot be applied to the cosmos. Because below and above is also another pair of opposites. It would be very helpful if we train ourselves to look in that way. The above contains the below. The above, uh, below contains the above. The inside can be touched in the outside. The outside can be touched in the inside. We are caught in ideas. And that is why uh, it's difficult for us to touch uh, the ultimate uh, reality. <coughs> As we continue, uh, these things uh, begin uh, to, uh, to 
to appear more clearly. The six, the six uh, verse, the quality of our life depends on the quality of the six that lie deep in our consciousness. It means that if we have the opportunity to help the positive seeds to grow, to develop, and then we have more joy, more happiness, we become more loving, more understanding. The seventh verse, the function of the store consciousness is to receive, to maintain, and make manifest in the world these seeds in the and the habit energies. Alaya, store consciousness. Store consciousness is like uh, the ocean. There are many, many rivers that flows into the ocean, and the ocean receive all the waters. So. Uh, does uh, store consciousness. It receives and maintain all the seeds. And then it has the power to help uh, manifest in the world these seeds and their habit energies. If you want to make uh, jasmine tea, you have to pick uh, jasmine flowers. And you keep um, the jasmine flowers uh, together with the tea. And you close, uh, you wrap, and you close uh, uh, very carefully. Uh, and you leave uh, the jasmine flowers and the tea for many many, many, uh, many days, many nights. And after that, uh, the, tea, uh, the tea will smell uh, jasmine, because during these uh, days, the tea continues to absorb the perfume of the jasmine blossoms into it. The tea has a very strong uh, capacity to uh, absorb the other kind of perfumes and odors. So alaya is like that. Store consciousness has the power, power to receive and to absorb. Suppose we, we learn a new song. We hear the first uh, line of the song, and we are not able to sing it back yet. But if the other person repeats it uh, twice or thrice, and then the, the, mm, the word used here is a perfumation. The perfumation will take place. It's like when you paint something, you paint uh, the door, and the first uh, stroke uh, is not uh, enough. You paint the second time and the third time, 
So perfumation is done like that. You learn, you learn, and you plant a seed uh, by, by that way also. That is education. You give the, ch- the child, and then you repeat it, and you repeat it again, and then the seed will be planted suddenly in the consciousness of the child. It's called perf- uh, perfumation. And uh, there are positive uh, habit energies. Good education is capable to uh, train people to think in a positive way, to act in a positive way, to make uh, understanding and uh, loving kindness uh, to grow for the person and the people around to benefit. But uh, store consciousness can also absorb the negative things very quickly. And uh, it is regrettable to notice that uh, in a society uh, where our children are exposed, (coughs) the negative things can be learned more quickly than the positive things. If we send our children to uh, a city, to uh, another country, for them to learn, they will be exposed to good things and bad things. And the bad things they can learn very quickly. (laughs) The good things, it takes time. It takes time for a young person to to appreciate uh, uh, Shakespeare, but to enjoy to go to uh, to the to the bar and drink liquor, this 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 kind of things can be learned very quickly. So there are there are negative habit energies that we have to recognize, that we have to embrace. We have to uh, transform, and that there are positive habit energies that we have to learn to train ourselves in order to have. <coughs> Many of us have learned the good habit of uh, sitting every day to calm ourselves, to cultivate more stability and solidity and, and freedom. Uh, many of us. Uh, have got the habit of uh, going back to our breathing and enjoy smiling every time we hear the bell. So these good habits are to be learned and to be developed. Because the bad habits always uh, push us to do and to say things that can be very destructive. They can bring a lot of suffering and misery to ourselves and to other people. Now let us come to the eighth verse. The manifestation of alaya can be perceived as as the field of things in themselves, as that of representations and of mere images, or included in the eighteen realms of being. As far as uh, perception is concerned, 
it's rare that uh, we can uh, reach the field of things in themselves. The field of things in themselves are sometimes called suchness. Reality as it is. Lettre en tant This flower, she is established in the realm of reality in itself. We ask the question whether it can reach its true nature, the realm of, uh, of things in themselves. This is a, a question of uh, the epistemological nature. Usually, we are sure that we can perceive the flower as it is, but in fact, uh, we don't. Like when we fall in love. When we fall in love, we have uh, in our perception, we love the object of our perception. We may not know that the object of our perception is not, uh, is not, uh, the reality in itself. Usually when we fall in love, we fall in love with the image we have of the other person. We cannot sleep, we cannot eat, we cannot do anything at all. Because that image uh, that we love uh, is so strong, uh, permanent in us. And we have the impression that uh, it is exactly the object of our love. We don't know that we have uh, created an image of the person we love, and we love that image. Later on, after we have got married, And we live, we continue to live with him or with her for one or two years. We discover many things we have not discovered. <laughs> and reality begins to show itself uh, quite differently from the image we, we just we, uh, we perceive in the in the beginning. 
And when the anger and hatred have come to replace love, we continue to to behave in such a way. We continue to have an image of the other person that is not uh, that does not correspond to the realm of things in themselves. We might be uh, driving the car and she is sitting close to us. Uh, we might think of uh, many things more exciting. We may even sing a little song, but we ignore completely the person who sits next to us because we have the impression that we know everything about her. There's nothing interesting anymore. We are caught in this kind of feeling, this kind of uh, perceptions. For the scientists, uh, they are very careful. They know that they have, they do not know enough. Even for for a piece of dust, an electron, the scientists would uh, be careful because the scientist uh, is aware that you you cannot know everything about a piece of dust. You continue to learn. Looking deeply into an electron, you find a lot of wonders. And you bow your head because uh, in all, because you you see you see uh, the wonders of life that can be touched uh, in a piece uh, of uh, dust. But here is a human being sitting next to you, and you think that you know everything about him and about her. You don't. You are not able to touch the wonders of life because she is there also as the body of the cosmos. What you what you reach. What is available to you is the field of representations. Tankan, the field of things in themselves. Đới chắc cảnh The field of uh, representation Độc ảnh cảnh The field of mere image. When I try to touch this flower, I may want very much to reach the field of uh, suchness, the field of 
things in themselves. But because I am caught by the habit of seeing, of thinking, determined by the idea of self and non-self, inside and outside, this or that, beginning and end, I can only touch the fields of representation, representations. They are not the field of things in themselves. So even if I am awake, if I actually touch the object of my perception with my fingers, with my eyes, the things that appear to my perception is not uh, suchness. It is only the field of representations. And when I close my eyes, I can still see the image. Or when I dream, when I sleep and I dream, this image can reproduce, can be reproduced in my dream, and that is the field of mere images. When you walk on the street, and if you see an elephant, that elephant belongs to the realm of uh, representations. And when you go home, and you go to sleep, and you dream of that elephant, the image of the elephant is the image uh, in the field of mere image. So all these kind of uh, objects of uh, cognition, they are, they are there in store consciousness as uh, manifestation. Because store consciousness manifests itself in two realms, realm of suchness, things in themselves, realm of present, uh, representations, and realms of uh, mere images. When I look at the bright, uh, bright uh, light, this uh, is the realm of representations. And if uh, I close my eyes, I still see the bright. That is uh, an extension of the realms of uh, representations. Even if I close my eyes, that impression which is so strong continues to be in me. That is an extension of the realms uh, of representations. <coughs> and hours later, when, when that has ended, I can visualize the lamp, and now the image belongs to the realm of uh, mere images. And uh, the objects of my perceptions include these three realms, and they may be touched in the 18 realms of beings described above. 
According to the teaching, we are capable of reaching the field of uh, things in themselves, the, the world of suchness. But because we have uh, used to think and to uh, conceive in terms of uh, in terms of uh, discrimination, that is why. We are not able to perceive things as they truly are. The nature of our mind is obst- uh, our mind is obstructed, and that nature of our mind is called paratam para vikanta. It means uh, the nature of uh, uh, construction. We build, we build for ourselves a world full of uh, illusion because of the way we use to perceive uh, reality. And that is why the practice is uh, to correct that uh, tendency to discriminate, uh, to think in terms of uh, duality in order for us to have a chance to look uh, again, uh, look in such a way that uh, reality would have a chance to reveal itself. If you have uh, questions, please uh, write them down in your notebook. I know that um, in the beginning there must be a lot of questions. But as we continue uh, on the third, fourth day, many questions will be answered by ourselves. I think the best uh, kind of answer is the kind of answers given by ourselves and not by someone else. And maybe uh, in the last few days, there are still other questions. Uh, a little bit uh, complicated, but uh, we'll see that it's not uh, as uh, complicated as uh, it may seem. I would like to uh, follow, uh, to continue with uh, what uh, I initiated uh, the night uh, we first came together. When things are not uh, to your liking, you used to react because you are irritated, because you suffer and you want to react by adopting a kind of behavior, uh, adopting a kind of speech that can cause more damage. It would not help. We usually think that uh, we need to be understood, we need to be loved. Understanding and love is what uh, we all need. 
everyone is claiming understanding and love because understanding and love bring us happiness, happiness, fulfillment. But the practice is not to to claim understanding and love, but to practice understanding and love. The practice is not to uh, to uh, to complain that no one understands us and no one loves us. The practice is actually uh, trying to understand other people and trying to love other people. Yesterday I said that uh, a practitioner has the right to suffer, but does not have the right not to practice. The world, the other person, is like a mirror. When you look into the mirror, and if you smile, the mirror will smile back right away. The other person is a mirror. If you look at the, the other person, and if you show yourself to be pleasant, and then uh, the mirror will smile back to you right away. When you have the sorrow within yourself, you have uh, disappointment. It may be because uh, the relationship with the other person has uh, deteriorated. That person does not seem to, to be as loving as before. That person does not seem to be as uh, close to you as before. That person seems to be aloof, uh, calm. That person seems to have withdrawn from you. That person seems to have betrayed you. And you suffer. And you adapt the attitude that if uh, she withdraws from me, why do I have to make steps uh, forward? I have to withdraw from him too. So, uh, in order to show uh, I don't really need you, if you don't need me, and then I, I won't need you. So you, you, you create more difficulty for you and for that person. There is a seed of uh, loyalty in every one of us. And there is a seed of betrayal in every one of us. And these seeds, uh, they inter-are. And if uh, the other person, if we notice that the other person seems to be to betray us. We have to ask the question as why? What has uh, allowed the situation to uh, manifest itself? When you feel that you are betrayed by the other person, you feel that uh, the responsibility is totally on the other side, his side. He betrayed you and you suffer. And you don't know what to do. Uh, you feel that you are a victim of betrayal. 
and uh, all you can do is to wait until that uh, the other person change and come back to you. That is not practice. That is a very passive uh, attitude. If you look deeply into the situation, you may find out that you have allowed the seed of betrayal in him to be watered before. You have authorized that seed to be watered in the other person. You do not live mindfully. Even you have helped water the seed of betrayal in him. You have lived in such a way that seems to be unpleasant to him. You have encouraged him to go into another direction. So you can begin to see your part of responsibility. And if you continue to adopt the attitude of of, uh, withdrawal, or punishment, and then the situation will be worse and worse. It may be that the other person has made an attempt to come back to you. But because you have suffered so much, you don't want to accept that. You try to push him away, because in you there is a tendency to punish. We know that the seed of loyalty is there always, that is there in us, and is always there in the other person. If we know how to water that seed every day, the seed of loyalty will become strong, and the other seed cannot do anything at all. And if we do the opposite, not watering the seed of loyalty in the other person, and allow the seed of betrayal to be water in there, and then we will lose that person very soon. We have to see our part of responsibility and not to blame the other person. We have done something. We have behaved in such a way that have made the other person running away from us. And we continue to blame that the other person withdraw from us, betray us, and so on. And if you continue to blame and to behave like that, the situation will get worse and worse. To recognize our part of responsibility and to recognize the fact that the other person has tried, has made, tried to make effort to come back to you, is very important. Because if the other person, after some time trying and not seeing any effect, uh, may be discouraged, may, may decide to withdraw totally. Because he also has his own limit. She also has her own limit. And therefore, it's very important that he, in order to to restore a good relationship, we have to look into ourselves to see the nature of our sorrow, the nature of our suffering, 
and to see uh, our part of responsibility in it. Why such? Why the other person has behaved like that? We have to ask the question. What part of responsibility I have in all of this? And you will see, we will see what to do and what not to do in order to be able to restore the uh, relationship. 